Fletcher or Christian Gange? Yes, sir. Jim, how are we? Uh, can you hear me now? Yes, sir. Loud and clear. How, how is it on uh, my end? Okay, this is Jim English, and this is our second run at a podcast with the eminent Christian Gange, who is the Who Gives a Shit Files Padres consultant, and we were just in the middle of a great, you were in the middle of a great rant, and we got cut off, so hopefully it'll continue going here. So to my audience, welcome to our podcast. I appreciate you listening. And uh, for all those who listen, we know that Fletcher Christian Gage is our consultant to the San Diego Padres. And, you know, let's get right to it. Why don't you tell us what happened, please, with Tatis? Yeah. So, as I said, I'll use that as my practice run and we'll get right back into it. So now that I have my thoughts more more controlled anyways. But – what happened to Fernando Tatis, Jim, is, um, as many everyone knows, on Friday, um, that's Friday, he got reports came out that he tested positive for performance-enhancing drugs and will therefore be suspended for 80 games uh, starting immediately, which obviously means the rest of this season and will go into next season, around, basically the first month of next year as well. And yeah, um, bummer, because on the last podcast we were on, Jim, we were talking about the Padres acquiring Brandon Jury, Josh Bell, and the headliner Juan Soto. The lineup was going to be one of the best in baseball, with us assuming that, you know, Fernando Tatis Jr., who was top three in MVP votes the past few years, the home run leader in the NL last year, in only playing two-thirds of the season, was going to be, you know, batting leadoff. And that came crashing very, very quickly, and he will not be playing this year, so... Yeah, it's um, it's a shitty situation. Pardon my French, but it's a very, very bad situation to say the least. Well, and so is you know, I meant to ask you this in the first part of the podcast. Yeah. Eighty games is that typical? Yeah. So. Average? Yeah, so th- it's a little weird because you know the steroid era is um, you know that was kind of in the late nineties, early two thousands, and at that time they actually didn't test people until two thousand three, I think. So it took them a while to kind of figure out the penalties. But as of somewhat recently, um, if the first time you get popped, it's an 80-game suspension. I believe if you get uh, popped again, then you're out for a full season. And then I think third time, you know, baseball, three strikes, you're out. I think it becomes a lifetime ban. So, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, I honestly, if you asked me this a week or two ago, I'd have to look it up. I I did not know the 80 games – I know it because that's what happened. So, you know, it's pretty, pretty set up, straightforward. And tell the audience, please, what you, uh, this is speculation. I know you want to, you don't want to say this is gospel truth and you've done te- research, but what you're saying and what you said makes perfect sense. So tell us what happened, how his parents were involved. Tell us what you were think. what you're thinking is the, what happened. Yeah, so I'll break it kind of all down um, for you. So basically, a little timeline. So Friday, I actually got a tip. Um, one of my buddies texted me that his friend works for Tatis's agent or some relation. He's like, he's getting suspended. This friend is a Dodger fan, so I'm like, yeah, he's messing with me. He's done it in the past, but I was worried. And about a few minutes after he texted me is when, you know, the actual notification happened, when it was legit. So 
anyways, yeah. So he gets popped. And then, you know, you texted me, Jim. Like, my phone's blowing up. All my friends trying to figure out how this happened. The excuse that they came out about an hour or two later was that he, you know, had ringworm. Which, ringworm, I mean, I don't know much about it. But it's a skin disease that he apparently claims to have gotten with a bad haircut. And said he mistakenly took something to treat ringworm that contained an illegal substance for a major league baseball player. And the issue with that, Jim, is a lot of doctors and people came out very quickly being like, that's not true. There is a drug that sounds very similar to the drug he tested positive for that is used to treat ringworm. But he tested positive for a different drug that, once again, sounds like the ringworm treating drug. That's strictly a testosterone replacement. So it's something that'll obviously give you more strength or for someone like Tatis, help him recover from an injury sooner. And then um, a lot of, you know, Padre fans are detectives. So I I didn't do all this, but took this from other people. People did a little timeline of events of what we think happened. So back in January, February is when it was initially reported that Tatis was in a motorcycle accident. And his dad quickly you know, said, nope, this is not true. Um, this is not true. There's no motorcycle accident, fake news, ignore this. So I'm like, okay, well, I guess this is just some weird story, weird rumor. But as we're realizing now, what we're thinking now is that he did get in a motorcycle accident. And for obvious reasons, if you get in a motorcycle accident, then the team can void their contract. Be like, okay, we're not going to pay you if you're getting hurt not playing baseball. And he obviously signed a 14-year, 300 40-ish million dollar contract. So we think that they thought, because there's also the lockout going on, so teams were not allowed to contact players and vice versa, so that he got hurt and they decided, okay, we can't let the team find out what happened, so let's take something, because we're also not being tested right now, because it's a lockout, they weren't allowed to drug test, so then let's go on and have you take this, get cured, uh, cured quicker, and then no one will know water under the bridge by the time the season starts. Of course, that didn't actually happen. The injury stayed, required surgery. But we believe he tested positive back in March, April time, and they've been appealing this whole time, which nobody knew about, including the team, which is why everyone thought he was coming back, and then ultimately gets popped. And then to add on to that, and I mentioned this to you earlier, Fernando Tati Sr. was on the St. Louis Cardinals team with Mark McGuire when he had that crazy home run race against Sammy Sosa, where they beat at the time, the record that Barry Bonds then broke. And, you know, I think it's common knowledge that uh, most of the MLB was taking some form of performance enhancing drug back in that era because they weren't testing and, you know, made the game better. They were purposely not testing because fans had interest. Fernando Tatis, his dad hit 34 home runs that season, significantly more than any other season in his career. So I'd say that because he understands, he has access, he knew who to reach out to, he has a history of what can do what, you know, knows all these people. So I think basically he's to blame for this, that Junior gets hurt, his dad's like, okay, take this. Junior's a young kid, like a lot of us, we're going to trust whatever our father says. He put the cream on just because dad said to do it. And, you know, four months later, it didn't work, and he's in trouble, and his reputation is now ruined forever. But... I do want to be clear that I think it's obvious and that he's not a lifelong cheater that he did this to cure the injury. Every stat he's, he's gotten up until this point is legit, but he made a huge mistake 
of trying to come back from an injury, you know, cheating the system because he's an idiot riding freaking motorcycles in the off season. And he's going to have to learn from this. And this is something he'll live with forever. And there will be people who I won't blame, but they'll never uh, really take him seriously and always kind of just lump him into the cheater category, which isn't true. But as I said, I understand it. So that's uh, that's my long rant of what I think happened with this whole thing. But yeah, he's got some, there's a lot of growing up that needs to be do needs to be done. And it's, it's troublesome as a fan with how much we've invested in this guy of what's happened since he signed that contract. And is, does his father have a reputation as being a knucklehead? I mean, not that I know of, like uh-huh. it's, it's like looking back on everything. So his hometown in the Dominican, there's a winter league in the Dominican Republic and Tatis Jr. was a player, and Tatis Sr. was the manager, and they won the championship the year before Tatis debuted in the majors. And I remember that's when I, as a fan, was like, okay, no, this guy is more than just a good minor league prospect. He's fun to watch. He's like, first off, that Dominican Winter League is awesome to watch. Like, it's a party throughout the game, bat flip like crazy. It's, it's a lot of personality, fun to watch. Um, but then his dad got fired from the team, and there was this whole drama that I didn't really care about. But Tatis Jr. is like, I'll never play for this team again. But now I'm like, was his dad, you know, was he kind of hard to deal with? Is there more to it? And now I'm listening to these interviews. He's blaming the team for what happened. He's blaming the players on the Padres for being upset about it, bl- blaming the MLB. It's like, guy, grow up and just take some accountability. Just say, as you said, I took this to cure an injury. Laughs in judgment. My bad. I'll never do it again. I'll earn your trust back. And then we'd be good. But they're still talking about it almost a week later. And it's just, it, it's brutal. So I don't know. I didn't know anything bad about his dad, but I'm definitely, he's not my uh, favorite person in the world uh, as of now. Yeah. And, you know, you're right. I mean, it's like, who was the pitcher? There was a pitcher yeah. who came out and said, uh, yeah, I did steroids. And everything was dropped. Yeah. But I'm then bl- you had yep. all these other guys like Rafael Pomero yep. and Souza and McGuire and Clemens. I mean, they're reviled right now. You know, uh, uh, Bonds, they're reviled right now because they didn't own up to it and they're still denying it. And all you got to do is look at the stats and see that there's such a blip in the stats, you know, at age 38 or something. That is just absurd. So, it, how, where, how is that? Uh, okay, let me collect my thoughts. So, the father is blaming the team. He's blaming everybody but his son, right? Oh, yeah. No, everybody, like I say, he's blaming players, blaming fans, blaming the MLB. It's insane. Yeah. Do you think, so do you, so what's going to happen now? How is this going to be repaired? Is this irreparable damage, or do you think they'll just move on after 80 games? I mean, here's the deal. He is signed for that length. I do think there are grounds to um, to avoid the contract if they wanted to. I don't believe they will. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, that's the hope, obviously. I mean, he's a, a ridiculous talent. You know, the contract are going to be going up. I do still think it's a good contract. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's my hope that he grows up, he earns back the respect and, you know, this humbles him and 80 games from now, he comes back and he plays like he can. And, you know, people like a winner and it's, I hate to say this, but I was talking with a buddy uh, earlier this week 
and we're saying, I mean, there's guys who commit, you know, domestic violence or like violent, bad, terrible charges, and they get cheered when they hit home runs. So you're telling me you're not going to cheer a guy who just wanted to cure an injury faster? It's like, like obviously, I I don't really agree with that. But Kareem Hunt gets cheered when he scores a touchdown in the NFL. Marcelo Zuna hits a home run for the Braves, and they're jumping around celebrating. And these people, and Aroldis Chapman for the Yankees, like awful people who committed the worst act you can are still cheered. So there's Padre fans and people like, oh, no one's going to cheer for him. It's like, and that's just flat out wrong. So yeah, yeah, I I agree with you there. And you know, I, he's 23 years old, right? 23 years old. Yeah. 23. Yeah. 23. So 23 year old kids make big mistakes. And this is one of them, you know, two of them Mm -hmm. riding a motorcycle, getting hurt and then trying the steroids, which I can understand. And it sounds like another mistake is letting his father speak for him. Has he been talking at all? Or has he been mostly his father's been his mouthpiece? No, that's a huge anger too. His father's spoken, his mom's spoken. He released a statement via the players' union that was, like, written. So, it's like, okay, you didn't write that. I mean, obviously, you didn't write that. So, no, I mean, he hasn't. And it's just, like, all you have to – and that's what people, you know, I'm seeing in the social media world with Padre fans saying, like, just get on camera and answer questions and show some remorse and, and take accountability. It would go so far if he just came out and apologized – and said, yes, I wanted to play and support and help our team. I was embarrassed by the injury and how I got it. So I overreacted and panicked and made a huge judgment mistake. Good. We're done. Like, that would solve everything. But – or not everything, but that would be a huge step in gaining back the trust of the fans and the organization who have given him so much. And he's just not doing it. And it's, 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 it's infuriating. It's infuriating. But, like, having said that, I mean, I'm angry now, but also root for the kid. Like, I – you know, he's a hell of a talent. He's a fun guy. I think he is a good, good young man too. But yeah, he's, he's got to earn back the trust for sure. Yeah. And you know, once again, a 23 year old kid is going to make mistakes. You would think that his dad would consult him being a man of the world and being a man of the league and living through the steroid era and, and odds are he participated that he would just have his son do a mea culpa or do a mea culpa for his son and just let it go from there. That's not the case. Yeah. Now, um, Jim, I'm embarrassed. What does mea culpa mean? I've, I've never heard that, heard that phrase. Uh, my fault. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. 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 No, me like, it would yeah, be me, that. Me, yeah. Mea culpa is, is my fault in Latin. So, Got it. Uh, yeah. Where is like you've heard of the term culpability? Yeah, you know, like the okay. culpable. So, so where does this leave the Padres? Oh, and by the way, I think the Padres are smart for not yeah. like they're taking pretty much the high road. They're not blasting the poor kid, right? Yes and no. Um, I mean, the 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 players definitely were outspoken, and the GM was too. So I don't know. I'm not saying they're not taking the high road, but they're definitely not letting him off the hook. Um, the GM basically came out. AJ Preller was like, look, he's like, we invested. And there's basically was like actions speak louder than words. We need to see actions. We expected maturity. And now we've seen two mistakes already that, you know, are not showing that. And it's going to, we're going to need to see that going forward. Mike Clevenger, uh, Padres pitcher came out being like, yeah, he's like, 
this is the second time he's disappointed us this year, you know, and like, this can't happen. Like he's like got to grow up and, you know, understand that it's not just about him. So he's definitely pissed. And I think some of the uh, Joe Musgrove had things to say, Manny Machado, but I do think the Padres players are more focused on the fact that they're in the middle of a very tight playoff race. They have the talent to put it together and win a world series this year. So I think in their heads, they're like, all right, F you, you cheated. It's not your, like, you're not on this team. You were never on the 2022 Padres. You're not, and you won't be. So let's just win with the guys we got. So that's kind of been their mentality of frustration and anger, but also screw it. This is our year still. And we trust who we have as a team. And I do too. I mean, we're not the best team. We're not as good of a team as we could be, but they have the pieces that can put it together still. You know, I like the fact that they're kicking him in the ass. They're making him accountable, but it doesn't look like they're going to kick him in the pocketbook, which means no. that they'll support people because I have to tell you that I think that Aaron Judge would look very good in Padres Brown next year. What do you think? <laughs> Wouldn't that be something? Or even, uh, even, even going forward, I mean, Juan Soto, we have him for two years. I want to extend him for some time. I tweeted this out out of anger, but let's just give Soto Tatis' contract. I mean, he's going to want more money, but there's other guys who do very well in that contract. And Aaron Judge is a California kid, so, hey, who knows? (laughs) Well, I I hope this hasn't dampened your optimism. How are you feeling? So anything more you'd like to say about Mr. Tatis and the situation? Anything you want to get off your chest? I mean, I wanted to do this conversation with you, speak it out. I think – I'll, I have friends who, you know, they've, you know, they'll want to talk about it. Like we have some group chats of like our Padre fans and all that. And basically what I have to say to them is, Hey, let's not worry about him. We got Hassan Kim is my shortstop this year. The team is still very capable of having success. We'll worry about him in the off season. So after this conversation we have with you, I mean, it's, it's going to be behind me completely, I think. And I'm going to ride with the guys who are on this team now, who, as I just mentioned, I'm, I'm capable, I feel are capable of doing this. But also having said that, I'm very excited for Tatis to be back next May. I will welcome him back. I'm not going to pretend I'll never root for him again, because that's not true. I'll be cheering for him very loud. One thing it did make me do was I was going to buy a Tatis jersey uh, pretty soon, and I actually changed my mind, and I already purchased a Juan Soto jersey that's in the mail right now. So <laughs> so that there, there's my action speaking louder than words right there. I, I showed there that you go by getting, getting Soto. But real quick about that, Jim, I ordered that jersey about a week ago, so <laughs> August tenth ish. It's gonna arrive November eleventh. I'm like, all right, well, that's after the season, so that's kind of stupid. But I got uh, something to look forward to, I guess, in November. Hopefully, for the World Series parade is uh, is the goal. <laughs> so okay, so the Padres, Melvin, all the boys in the locker room. They're, they had an adverse reaction to this, yeah. but they're refocusing back on baseball. You think they were shocked? How do you think they reacted? And by the way, I know that the Padres lost, were swept by the Dodgers yeah. uh, in, their, yeah. in their first Bad. series. But that was right after Vin Scully died. Yeah, no. I mean, there's actually a joke uh, in people who like to gamble on sports that – and this is probably a weird way to present this, but if a, if a mascot, like animals are live mascots, if the mascot passes away, you bet money on that team that week because they're going to play well. 
So obviously Ben Scully is much, much more than that. But I mean, they were going to play the best baseball they played all year after a, an absolute legend, best to ever do it um, in Ben Scully. So yeah, I, I like that excuse because I, I needed an excuse for what happened there. And Satis isn't coming back, uh, you, so we need a new one. Yeah, but when I saw the pods were playing the Dodgers, right when the news about Vince Scully came out, I knew that it was going to be the Padres may get a game, but the Dodgers, you know, and see baseball is such a game. There's 162 regulation games plus preseason plus practice plus postseason. It is long and you're oh right in the gosh, middle of the yeah. dog days of afternoon, you know, the dog days of summer. And then all of a sudden you have this incredible event involving an icon, a saint. This guy was a saint because I grew up listening to him, you know, growing up in Southern California. I listened to Vinny on my transistor radio. I'd like duck under my bed and listen to him all night long. And, you know, so he was a legend and maybe the best announcer of all time. Yeah. So when the Dodgers lost him, you know that that would break up the doldrums, that it would increase the intensity. So mm-hmm. you knew that. I knew that was going to happen. I could see it happening. Yeah, no. And yeah, it just wasn't the weekend. I mean, I'll, I'll, I've said this so many times. And I, I mean, I went to USC. So a lot of LA kids, Dodger fans are my friends from USC. And they like to send some texts, you know, bragging about it. And the fact of the matter is, all the Padres have to do is do well enough to make the playoffs, get in the tournament, and then you just have to beat the Dodgers. And when you play the Dodgers, just be better than them in a five- or seven-game series. They could beat you all year, but it does not matter. And these Dodger fans are so cocky, but other than a half-season Mickey Mouse World Series, they haven't won anything that actually matters in my entire lifetime. So, you know, congrats. You won the August World Series that they used to make fun of Padre fans for getting excited for beating them. But all that tech- that matters is obviously assuming the Padres get in the playoffs is what happens in that October World Series. So they can beat us, you know, April through September. I'm worried about beating them in October. But, you know, Dodger fans don't know what it's like to win a World Series just as much as I don't. So I'm not going to blame them for not understanding how, how uh, you know, being, being a little too overexcited for something that doesn't actually matter. I love the Venom. <laughs> I love the Venom. So – so I saw today, I was looking at, or actually yesterday, I was looking at the, uh, in anticipation of the podcast, Padres have an 80% chance of making the playoffs. So it's still looking pretty good, and they've, they've achieved this without Tatis to date. So yeah. what do you think they have to do? I mean, what do you think they have to do right now to, to make the playoffs? Yeah, so as we stand, we entered the day, you know, one game ahead of the Brewers for the sixth and final playoff spot. We are one and a, entered one and a half behind the Phillies for the five seed and like five or so behind the Braves for that four seed, which we're not going to – obviously, we're not going to catch the Dodgers in the division. So that's – we're getting one of those three. Um, I think the Braves spot is probably out of reach. They're playing very good. So I think five or six is what, you know, what it'll be. Um, Phillies already lost today. Padres are winning, so it could be a good day. Um, anyways, the thing with the Padres, it's they got to be better with timely hitting. I mean, yesterday they lost to the Marlins four to three, left 12 guys on base. Felt like the game before oh. they got shut out, like basically the same thing. Just not getting hits with runners in scoring position. I mean, it's, at, it's honestly somewhat impressive how the Padres manage to get so many hits 
but spread them out throughout the game so, like, precisely to where they don't actually score any runs off them. It's like we'll get two singles this inning, then a double the next inning, a single the next, maybe a double and a single that doesn't score the guy the next and not get runs, but you're still getting hits. So they need to get do better with runners in scoring position and capitalize when they have men on base. And, you know, I mean, they've like, they're winning six to three today. They had a grand slam to start today's game. Hopefully uh, they finish this win off. But to me, that re- that's really what it is. It's all down to timely hitting. And if we do that, our pitching, pitching hasn't been as good as they can be, but hopefully they can get back into form still waiting for some guys in the bullpen to come back. So yeah, I mean, I feel, uh, I, I, that's really what I think it is because it's not like we're slumping. It's just we're slumping when it matters with guys on base. Yeah, and I mean, if you erase the, you know, the series with the Dodgers, you know, that happened, what, a couple of weeks ago, they're doing okay, right? I mean, they're they're hanging in there with like 600 baseball if you eliminate that, right? If you – yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's like, I mean, I think the record – I don't even know what the record is. The record's still strong. It's like they're well on track for their – I think they're on track for 89 wins, which is basically the season projection. So, you know, they, they're doing what was expected for them to do. They just have to beat these games. I mean, we lost – we lost a game versus the Nationals, which can't happen. You got to sweep them. There's a very bad umpire call, but still can't let the umpire determine that game. Lost the first two in this Marlins series. Got to beat up on teams like the Marlins. We play the Nationals this weekend in a four-game set. I think you got to win all four. You know, that, that's kind of how I see it with this team, is they got to beat these bad teams and do enough against the good teams to wrap it up. And it's all going to come down to timely hitting to me. Yeah, and because in August – so in August you have the Padres. We have, like, the bad teams. But in September we do – we see the Dodgers a lot, don't we? And the Giants in our division. Yeah, so looking at it, it's Dodgers. We got the Diamondbacks and Rockies half the month, but the other half is That's Dodgers, good. Cardinals. Got the White Sox even at the end of the month. They're a decent club. They'll be playing for the playoffs at that point. And then the Giants to wrap things up. So, yeah, I mean, what, we got the Dodgers – oof, nine more times in September. So, wow. yeah, I mean, you can't lose all nine. I mean, I'm not expecting – I mean, you got to take like four out of the nine at least, five of the nine, maybe more. So, those are going to be hard games, but they have to show up against those teams. But it will make it a lot easier if you beat up on the bad teams to wrap up this month with the Nationals and we have the Royals. And that's seven games against those two teams uh, combined. I think you got to win six of seven. Yeah, and those I, are triple-A teams. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> they trade away all their good guys, so – to us – so we got to be. Yes. <laughs> I mean, damn. So, you, so how's Soto doing? Oh, he's been great. Phenomenal. He's gotten on base every single game he's been with us. I mean, watching him hit Jim is, it's, it's an art. It's, it's truly an art. I mean, he doesn't chase pitches. He knows the strike zone more than anybody. I mean, he got, he struck out on a pitch a couple days ago and it was a ball. It should have been ball four. And you can see he's upset. And my thoughts, like, if Juan Soto thinks it's a ball, then it's a ball. And that's a bad call. I mean, I've never seen someone who understands the strike zone quite like Juan Soto. So watching him hit, I mean, it, it's weird because he gets walked so much and he's such a good hitter that I want to see him hit home runs and doubles. But I'm okay if he gets walked in front of Manny Machado, who Manny Machado won NL Player of the Week last week. So obviously things are working, um, working there. 
I mean, he's – yeah, Soto's been everything and more uh, for us. We, we need Josh Bell to pick it up. Josh Bell has really struggled since coming over, which is a real bummer. And then uh, Brandon Jury has been pretty pretty solid. I, I like Brandon Jury a lot. He, he gets it done. He's kind of who I expect him to be. Has some power, gets the hits. But, yeah, Soto is – I mean, I think he's the best player in baseball. I mean, it, it's, it's insane how good he is in this sport. Well, and what about Hader? So Hader hasn't pitched in like a week, and he pitched um, – he blew a three-run lead, actually, which was real bad in his last outing. Threw like 40 pitches. I think, for many statistics, was the worst performance of his entire career, which was like, all right, great. He comes to the Padres and has the worst performance he's ever had in his entire life. But, um, yeah, so he hasn't pitched in a week, so we'll see with him. Um, we haven't had save opportunities, either wins or losses. I assume he'll pitch later today. Um, and I wasn't really worried about that. I think it was a little fluke. Um, but, yeah, Hader is uh, TBD. Let's uh, table him for the next conversation. We have uh, some, some more to work with. He's only pitched like three okay. times, I think, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, how are you feeling about the opportunity to make it to a World Series right now without Tatis? How are your emotions? Yeah, I mean, look, it's not uh... – not the same. I would feel a lot better uh, Tatis was going to be debuting tomorrow like uh, we all expected him to be doing. You know, I mean, as I said, the guy was top three in MVP voting in the past two years. He uh, he led the NL in home runs last year and only played like two-thirds of the season. So, obviously, that's, you can't replicate that. But I believe if the starting pitching pitches to what they're capable of, Blake Snell has been pitching out of his mind in the second half, which has been very nice to see. So if we get a, get that to do it, bullpen, we got guys coming back. You know, Hader is going to be good. I know it. And the lineup's capable enough if they can get these timely hits, as I've preached uh, throughout this podcast. So I'd say I'm still feeling uh, feeling good. I feel, you know, after the dust has settled with the Tatis news, I feel honestly just as good um, as I did two weeks ago when we made the trade for Soto and uh, the rest of the boys. Yeah, I think that, you know, and we've discussed this on podcasts, is all you got to do is get hot during the playoffs. Now, as of right now, who would they play? They're in the sixth playoff spot right now? Sixth spot, yeah. So, season ends today. We'd be playing the Cardinals um, in a best-of-three series in St. Louis. So, they're leading the NL Central right now. If we – if – we would win that. We would then go on to play the Mets in a best of five where they would have home field, but we would get to have uh, host two of the games. And then if we presumably beat the Mets, then that's when you would play the Dodgers or as it stands now, it would be the Phillies or Braves would be the ones. Um, Phillies or Braves. Phillies would play the Braves in the first round, then to play the Dodgers. So that would be the NLCS and then, then it's the World Series. I see. So we're rooting against the Phillies, right? Yeah. So every day I root against the Braves a little bit, but mainly the Cardinals, Brewers, and Phillies. And, and, the, Giants, and the Giants are like four and a half, five back from us. So you, you kind of got to – you never know with them. Giants are weird. So let's – you know, it's, it, I kind of want them to just get as far out of the picture as possible just so I can stop worrying about them. But I still, I still see what they do. I think they shot their load last year. They had all the luck that they're going to get with a, a mediocre lineup. Uh, yeah. So, what what else? So you know that uh, I'm, I'm. First of all, I'm happy to see that you're not all doom and gloom. That there is optimism infused in your perspective, 
and you still think the Padres have a really good chance. What else would you like us what, – what else would you like to say about the Padres? Yeah. No, I think for me, I think that optimism, you know, I was pretty down in the dumps when the news came out. Um, you texted me, Jim, and you're like, you're like ha, ha, have a shot or have a drink, you know, to make yourself feel better. I had a beer already <laughs> in hand quickly after the news. Um, was meeting up with my old roommate. He's a huge fan to watch the Padres game that day. And, yeah, bad news for our little reunion. But I think for me it was listening to the rest of the team – in their reaction, Manny Machado, Joe Musgrove, Mike Clevenger specifically, they came out and said, like, look, obviously we are looking forward to having him back, but he hasn't been here all year. We've been a solid, good team all year that put ourselves in this position. And, you know, it's not like they're losing anything they had. So, yeah, we obviously expected him to come back and provide that spark. But, I mean, maybe he would have come back and it would have taken him too long to get back in the swing of things. He's taken a lot of time off without a true spring training, you know, so – yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trusting the players' optimism. I mean, who am I? I'm, I just talk about them with you and watch the games on TV. But when the guys are actually out there performing, have the confidence to go out and do it, you know, we have Juan Soto, who I did not expect us to get Juan Soto when I had the confidence of what would happen when Tatis came back. So I think my confidence is the same. Soto put me through the roof, and now it's like, all right, Soto's my new Tatis. He's a better version of Tatis. Let's ride. Let's ride. Excellent. Excellent. And I have to tell you that you have earned the right being a Padres fan for all these years since (laughs) you were a little kid. I mean, when was when do you first remember rooting for the Padres? How old were you? I mean, dang, I I probably remember rooting for the Padres. It was like Phil Nevin, Ryan Klesko. Um, where the guy Brian Lawrence, I think, was a pitcher. Trevor Hoffman, obviously, the closer in like as the early, early 2000s. So I was born in 1996. I, I do not remember the 98 World Series, but I remember the early 2000s teams with those guys. And, you know, I think the earliest memory, like that's more vivid, was Petco Park opening in 2004. So I was seven turning eight during that season. And I remember going to Petco Park for those teams. And that, that, those were very fun. So, you know, the teams won the division within that, the next few years a couple of times. No playoff success. But, yeah, those were early, early little success as a fan. And then it's, it was been very bad for the rest of my life. And I think that kind of, you know, helps me have some perspective as a fan where it's like we've been so bad for so long that just being in a playoff race is fun. So I'm not going to overreact to some bad news. Like I like being in a race. It's very fun to root for a team that has – you know, gives you some hope, but it's not like the Yankees or Dodger fans where there's been so much like success. That's almost, you know, it's like, it's hard to enjoy, I feel for those fan bases. And, you know, I mean, that's not a slight to them. It's just, it's credit for them being so good for so long. Yeah. It's, you know, it's funny because my good friend, Tom Lee, who, who listens to our podcast on the Padres, he's always telling me, he's going, you know, I can't do a, a deep dive into the statistics like, you know, Fletcher Christian does. Um, (laughs) But he did a podcast. And, I mean, you know, his basic perspective, it's it's okay if they make it to the World Series. And expectations are that either they lose to the Dodgers or they win it all. Anything short of that, is a failure of a of of a team of a year, 
you know, and it's sort of like me because the Yankees have won 27 world championships. The Lakers have won 17 NBA championships. And, you know, making the playoffs, the Lakers doesn't do a thing for Laker fans. No, I mean, it's me as a USC football fan my whole life has kind of been the same. It's Rose Bowl is the very worst that I'll be happy with, you know? Yes. Yeah. And and expectations, you know, the Padres' expectations, you know, are, you know, I know they're high this year, but, you know, if they make a run in the playoffs, that's a good thing considering their future and the type of players they're signing. And I I brought this up is like, what about Aaron Judge? You think they yeah. you think they put another half bill out there for him? I mean, Peter Seidler seems he cares a lot more about bringing a championship to San Diego than his own wallet, and he knows if he signs big name people that the fans will come and they'll buy merch. There's actually a funny article. Get focus on that, and I'll go back to what you said earlier. But there's an article in the Athletic saying how like anonymous executives don't understand the Padres business model spending all this on players. And everyone was joking, replying to the post about it and showing a packed out Petco park on a Monday, Tuesday or Wednesday, you know, in versus the, the last place Rockies or diamondbacks. And there's 40 plus thousand people there all wearing Padre jerseys. It's like, that's the business model. You spend money. People will then spend on your product. I mean, I'm watching the Padres play the Marlins right now. Jim, I don't. I'd be shocked if there's five thousand people there. The announcers were saying maybe three to four thousand. So yeah, you're not going to really? spend on players, but you're not making money. And I know TV deals are everything, but Padres are up for a new TV deal in a year or two, also. So it goes there, and and yeah, as you said, and like, look, your 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 buddy who's a Yankees fan, that's how his mindset should be, hundred um, percent. World Series or bust. And I'm in that mindset too, to an extent. I really want to win a World Series. I think we're capable of it. But for me, I'm I'm separating it. So, like, I, the Dodgers, I don't care about the Dodgers right now because I'm focused on the regular season and making it to the playoffs. The Dodgers, they're out of reach for us. I'm focused on getting in the tournament. Once we're in the tournament, scratch everything, reassess, new season. I'll be focused on beating the Cardinals in that first round. Then scratch that. Then beat the Mets. Scratch that. Dodgers. Scratch that. Yankees, Astros, whoever makes it from the AL. So, I, I think that's kind of how I look at it where, you know, it's just – you, you don't win a World Series in the regular season. And I, I mean, I, I, I like to hate on the Dodgers. I don't mean to here, but I will because they're the best example. They've won the regular season the past 12 years. And uh, other than the COVID year that, you know, does have an asterisk on it, they haven't actually won what really matters when teams who have won 88 games, like the Braves last year, Nationals, and a few years before are World Series champions in the past, you know, five years. So, yeah. That's cool. That is why – the MLB playoffs, Major League Baseball playoffs, are so unpredictable. Yeah. As, you know, as, as opposed to, you know, I mean, you look at, you know, you look at uh, basketball, right? It's always the best. I mean, you, I mean, nobody was surprised. I mean, Golden State was somewhat of a surprise. But they were the best team in the West, and they played the best team in the East, which was the Celtics. You know, last year, there was a surprise with Cincinnati coming out of the AFC, but there was no surprise with the Rams coming out of the NFC and winning. You know, they're having a star-studded lineup. You know, the same in hockey, although the the Bays, what what is the Tampa Bay team? 
The Lightning. Um, the Lightning. It was kind of amazing that they made the finals. But it's, you know, in baseball, you can have a team that is way, way overmatched on paper, end up winning a World Series and beating the big monster, which is known as the Dodgers. Yeah. No, I mean, I think I mentioned this on our last podcast, but Theo Epstein, who brought a World Series to Boston, brought a World Series to Chicago with the Cubs, I heard him on a podcast say that he used to judge his success as a GM and his teams around did they make the playoffs and what was our regular season success. And he said, because you can't, because the playoffs are such a crap, a crapshoot, especially in a sport like baseball, where, you know, as I said, you just got to get hot and the worst team in the playoffs can very easily win it. So like, I, I think absolutely um, what you're saying is, is true. It's, you know, football and basketball more often than not, the better teams win. As I said, the Bengals, Kind of a fluke, I guess, but you know, I mean, that offense was great all year and defense too. But yeah, basketball is who we expected, but baseball is that sport where yeah, it's just who gets hot. I mean, I've said it a million times: the Braves were not the best team in the MLB last year. The Nationals were not the best team in the MLB in 2019, but they are the team that ends up with the championship, which is all that matters. Power rankings mean nothing at the end of the day. It's all about who actually holds up as a Ron Manfred likes to say that, that piece of metal at the end of the year in, uh, in late October, early November. And that's it. That's all that matters. And all you got to do is get yourself in the playoffs. Let me ask you this. What do you like better? Do you like USC football or Padres baseball? Where are you more Oof. a fan or, or you, you know, it's, it's a ridiculous question and you don't want to answer it or you can't answer it. It's not a ridiculous question. I've been asked that many times before. It's, I don't know. I mean, it, it's just different, I'd say, and it's tough. I think for me, I'd prefer, if I had to choose, like Christian, the Padres win the World Series this year or USC wins the national title, what would you prefer? I'd probably say Padres this year at this, like, present moment just because of how the long journey it's been, you know, the struggles. I mean, USC's, we've had our struggles, but I, I'm really proud of, like, the San Diego aspect. You know, when the Chargers left, People really rallied around this team as the team to represent our city. So, you know, and it's, it's been so much work. I followed the story of them so much with the Padres, where it's been a long five-year grind of building up the farm system to then having guys and trading guys for other guys um, and all that. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I don't even think I'm really speaking clear words. I, I think for me – Yeah, you are. Yeah, I'd say that's kind of how it is. Uh, but then again, you know, I went to USC. I have a different friend group who are USC buddies, and, you know, we'd be equally excited and love to share that as well. So, yeah, I, uh, I couldn't really tell you. I, I think it's pretty equal for separate reasons. Well, and, I, you know, you have earned the right being a fan because you've been, you've been a Padres fan your entire life. I oh, mean, yeah. you're, you, it goes, your, your affiliation with the Padres goes back almost 20 years and you're 25 years old. Yeah. 25 years old. And I give me those 25 years. I was wearing Padre onesies. So, you know, it's yeah. been, it's been lifelong. Yeah. And, and the fact, the fact that you have stuck with them as a diehard fan and when they have been mediocre to lousy 
for a big part of your of your you know of your twenty years as a fan, to me that gives you the right to criticize what went happened with Tatis and to be an expert on the Padres. It gives you, I think, the right to speak your mind on this podcast. You've earned it. Yeah. I mean, Jim, I remember the days when Jan Harvis Salarte was batting third and, you know, Lexi Amarista leading off, Ryan Schimpf in the four hole. These are names you've never heard of for obvious reasons because they were not good baseball players. And I went and I supported that team like, uh, like I do support the team today. So, I mean, I will give myself credit for that. I don't know if it's how good of a thing it is. But, yeah, I mean, I've been a fan of the team for so long that I do feel confident in my takes and fandom. And said so this, too, it's like for me – as you just said, it's USC, it's, it's the Padres. I support the Rams too, but that's more as a kind of a replacement for when the Chargers left San Diego, which I did not take too kindly to. And the Rams just won the Super Bowl. I was happy. I celebrated. But it didn't have that, like, little kid, just, you know, crazed feeling that I know I'll have if the Padres win, if that makes sense. Like, if the Padres win, I might cry. And I'm, I'm not really much of a crier, but it'll just feel like a lifetime of emotions of, games with my parents and friends and all this all the players and all that it'll it'll mean so much and you know and that's I want it so bad not only for myself but for for the city that I'm very very passionate about I you know I think we should leave it at that that is a great summation is there anything else you'd like to say I mean that was wonderful no, I, I feel good. You, you don't really give me the platform for a final word. And I, I feel like that's going to be my final word. You know, I'll, I'll say it again. This t- Tatis, you know, terrible news. But I'm focused on 2022 while it's 2022. I love the guys representing my team today. And I look forward to, you know, welcoming back Tatis as a villain to the rest of the league when he comes back next year. But uh, anyone who represents uh, San Diego and has San Diego across their chest, I will always support um, through thick and thin. So, so I definitely want that on the record. Fletcher Christian Gage, thank you so much for joining the podcast. Absolutely. You're always great. And uh, we'll be talking soon, sir. And go Padres. Yep. Great time as always, Jim. Looking forward to the next time we do this. Go Pods. Go Pods.